Happy St. Patrick's Day! Today is March 17th. Welcome to Native Calgarian. Native Calgarian is being recorded on the lands of the Blackfeet Confederacy, the Blackfoot south of the imposed U.S.-Canadian border of the Blackfeet, north of the border of the Siksika, Gunai, Bagani of the Confederacy. These lands are now on Treaty 7, signed in 1877, with signatories that include the Blackfoot Confederacy, the Stony Nakoda, now Wesley Chiniki Bearspaw Nations, and the Sutina Nation. I acknowledge all First Nation, Métis, Inuit, status and non-status across Turtle Island as the keepers of these lands. Woki. I'm Mekochis Chase Tukom Aki, or Red Thunder Woman in Blackfoot. My spirit name of Red Thunder Woman was given to me in ceremony, and my humblest apologies to the Blackfoot elders and language keepers as I try to learn proper pronunciation. I honor the Blackfoot. I'm Michelle Robinson. And I was born in Calgary as Michelle Elliott, another very English name, which has afforded me great privilege in an English colonial world. My mother is Northern Slavey Dene, or Satu Dene, but my Indian Act and Post status card by the Canadian government says Yellow Knives Dene. My father is so Canadian that I am the daughter of the Mayflower and a daughter of the American Revolution while having an Indian Act and Post status card. I acknowledge my Dene lineage. And then I was born in Calgary, but my family is not part of the Treaty 7 signatories, making me a visitor. My Dene lineage roots me in the land of the Hare people, also known the Great Bear Lake people in Treaty 11. I am a native to Turtle Island, and my Dene nation is a visitor to this area called Clinchotine Indahe, in Dene, meaning, uh, oh, in Satu Dene, sorry, meaning many horse town, named after the Calgary Stampede. Land acknowledgements are critical in creating safer spaces for Indigenous as well as honoring the host as I identify as a guest. Any mistakes or misinterpretations will be on me. I encourage questions so that misunderstandings can be cleared up as soon as possible. I do not speak on behalf of all Indigenous, but I share what I know as I walk down my red road. If you're experiencing emotional distress after hearing anything we say today, Feel free to call the First Nation and Inuit Hope for Wellness helpline at 1-855-242-3310. It is toll-free and open 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. And for non-Indigenous, there are distress center lines in your area too. My Patreon account is Native Calgarian. Thank you to the previous donors for already showing your support to the show. If you value listening and can afford to give, thank you for those who cannot afford to give but listen in. I'd love to hear from you at nativeyyc at gmail.com where you can send in your comments or questions. We are on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. All right. So a few things have happened since our last podcast. Um, last podcast, I had my cousin on. And then the one before that was the day before Jody Wilson Rainbow actually testified. So a lot's happened since then. And I guess I want to start by saying I'm running for the Alberta Liberal Party as a candidate for Calgary East in the upcoming provincial election. So first thing I've been finding at the door is that Justin Trudeau. <laughs> so I say, well, actually, provincially, my leader is David Kahn. And you may have heard of David Swan. And you know what? You'd be surprised the look I get at the door where people actually don't know what I'm talking about. So that's been very interesting. So I went tonight, got my signature, so I'm hoping to set up an appointment with the returning officer. I'll start using the uh, election lingo and say RO 
And once we get that all finalized, then I'll be on the official document. And I really hope to be on the official document before the writ is dropped. And that's when Rachel Notley calls the election, which might be as early as tomorrow or Tuesday. So here's to hope and I'll have it done in time. Um, so why am I running? Well, <laughs> I have so much to talk about and I'm not too sure how to put it all together. So I hope I don't miss anything. Um, so Prince of Peace, we just found out on Friday. So today is Sunday. We found out Friday that Prince of Peace is actually approved for a lease for five years, which can be broken and um, at any moment's notice. And they have 18 months to close the school from that time that notice is given. So there are a lot of parents that are incredibly over the moon because that means their kids are going to continue going to Prince of Peace until the end of their grade nine or whichever they choose to pull them from. Um, that's not good enough for me personally. Um, I can't imagine all of the schools that I went to as a child, me just saying, and at any moment's notice, we can cancel the school year. And um, like, I mean, it would finish the school year, but not the next year. And I can't imagine having that instability of saying this isn't actually, you know, government property and school property. It's somebody else's property. So while um, many people are rejoicing, I just don't have that same amount of uh, joy. I went to the public meeting that they had and another new rule that was made was that they will no longer accept any more Calgary kids. So unless you're from the Rocky View uh, you're living in the Rocky View County, you're not allowed to um, have new enrollment for Prince of Peace. So for me, if I was keeping my daughter in there until the end of grade nine, she would be welcome to stay because we were already enrolled in Prince of Peace. But any new enrollments, that's a different story. And actually, they were going to cut the kindergarten program, but thank goodness they voted against that. So I was pretty surprised that they voted against no more Calgary kids being allowed into uh, Prince of Peace. So um, I was really disappointed. There was um, two school trustees that were, you know, very happy to point out that the UCP uh, could possibly be elected. So, you know, there are a lot of decisions that uh, could change based on the new government coming in. And it was so biased to see two candidates or two trustees talk like that. I was really grateful to see another uh, trustee speak up because both her and I, which I found out later, had seen the um, Alberta leaders debate on education. They were all invited to the Alberta Teachers Association to speak. And by no means were there any promises by the UCP for new schools. Um, if, I don't know if I've talked about it in the previous ones, but Mark Smith was the UCP education critic. And he was the one who spoke on behalf of the UCP because apparently Jason Kenney couldn't. And uh, it was interesting listening to this fellow. And now this is the same fellow that refused to have his picture taken with parents of Prince of Peace. That happened to be Brown. I was so disappointed with that. Anyway, he spoke very clearly. He said that uh, things are going to hurt because the economy hurts. And um, there's gonna, and there was no promises of we're gonna buy Prince of Peace, and most certainly when we met with him, there was no indication of that whatsoever. So, I think that uh, there's a lot of instability with Prince of Peace still. I still have yet to meet a candidate in Calgary East that understands the gravity of 469 kids possibly going into the uh, area. So, I um, 
yeah, I'm sorely disappointed. At any rate, um, you know, obviously I have lots of reasons to run. Um, if I'm not talking about Prince of Peace, I'm doing a casino for playgrounds that need investment or talking about the trailer park issues with the rent increase or the bullying or just point blank incompetence from some of the other parties right now. Um, so I just felt like our area really needed a strong voice because I didn't see, see one, frankly. You know, I think I'm the only candidate, again, with any energy background, as well as we owned a company in the industry. You know, I know I have the longest history of talking about industry issues, Indigenous sovereignty, consent, uh, transition and investment into greener alternatives like fossil fuels at the federal level. We passed geothermal policies. You know, I'm concerned about climate change, and I think it's a really sad reality that students across the globe are now protesting us adults every Friday because we are so inept we can't do anything more on it. Um, you know, mental health issues, major issue for me. You know, we need severe investment in mental health and addiction services because safe consumption sites, you know, while they're effective, they really are a Band-Aid solution when you need that uh, long-term sustainable funding. <clears throat> I think, you know, obviously working with doctors associations, policing associations. Um, we have a city councillor here in Calgary named Evan Woolley. Whoa, what a what a great story to talk about when it comes to a man who cares about, you know, economic investment into the downtown core and trying to make things work for small business and boom, loses his, his brother to opioids. So like that's not a good story at all it's an awful story um just prior i meant before with his you know he loves the city was trying to do great work for small business when it came to uh empty office towers and such and then unfortunately hit with this tragedy so strong advocate obviously as well about the uh, crisis itself because he's directly impacted and um back to more good stories he was one of the first counselors to really put in solution-based um, ideas when it comes to the safe consumption site that's around the Sheldon Schumer right now, which directly impacts Calgary East because we are going to be getting a safe consumption site as well. So obviously, you know, those are the minimum standards. If um, Evan Willey, who's personally affected, can, you know, be putting together such good solutions, we obviously ne need everybody on board with that as well. So, you know, the Indigenous portfolio, obviously, there's so many reports that need implementing from child welfare, justice report, reforms, and um, public servants that still need education in Indigenous issues. <coughs> then there's all the controversy, controversy in my area. So, for example, um, I'm in Abbeydale, which is this uh, interesting boundary where Calgary Greenway will no longer exist and Calgary East will extend into uh, Abbeydale. And if you Google Calgary Greenway and you Google Calgary East, you're not going to see anything but controversy when it comes to you, the UCP because uh, Prob Gill is the candidate for, or the, sorry, the MLA for Greenway. And the, that was all mirrored in a whole bunch of ballot issues. And then when it comes to Calgary East, I thought for sure Andre Chabot was going to be the person that everybody elected to be the UCP candidate. 
And then him and all the other candidates got together and said there were huge voting irregularities when it came to our area. So I'm solely disappointed. You know, we have really low voter turnout in Calgary East anyway. So unfortunately, by default, the UCP may win. But at the end of the day, you know, I think that I want people to vote for something, not against something. And all you see right now is Rachel Notley, you know, and attack ads against the UCP and the UCP running attack ads against Rachel Notley. And, you know, from my point of view, I just as a liberal, I obviously have liberal values and I want to um, tackle, you know, human rights issues and, and be a strong advocate for our area. And you know, have something that people want to vote for rather than against something. So, you know, I don't know uh, how much research voters will do, but if they do, I think that, uh, you know, there's, it'll be really up to them because once you Google the our area, Calgary East and, and Calgary Greenway, I think you'd be really shocked about what you would find. And I just hope that people see that and we'll go from there. So we'll see, you know, um, the thing about elections, and I found that when I ran for War 10, was that it always there's always this like one wedge issue that just takes over the whole thing. So yeah, I can talk about our area and playgrounds and schools and trailer park issues and you know mental health issues, safe consumption, safe safe communities. I can talk about all these wonderful things like I did at the municipal level, but at the end of the day. You know, our municipal election was taken over by rich NHLers, the arena, and uh, where I stood on that. And when it comes to the provincial election, you never know what that one wedge issue is going to be. As of right now, as of today, it came out that Stephen Harper is somehow implicated in this kamikaze candidate um, campaign that happened with Jason Kenney's leadership. And the RCMP are actually investigating who funded this kamikaze candidate's leadership because that's what could be possibly criminal. Um, Which, or I don't even know if I should say criminal, actually. I'm going to take that back and say um, against the law. (laughs) Because when it comes to elections, it's just, you know, what we think is criminal. What I think a lot of people are quick to say is criminal is um, maybe not necessarily because I'm not a lawyer and I don't pretend to be so you know here's a here's a point of order I suppose when it comes to what elections laws were possibly broken and does that just mean a fine in the end we don't know so I'm just hoping people will look a little deeper and make a decision about who they want to vote for based on that so with that, I'll definitely say that congratulations to all the other candidates. I look forward to debating with you and uh, moving forward together. So what else should I say? Well, at the Canadian poly level, a lot has happened with Jody Wilson-Raybould. I'm not going to lie. It was completely traumatizing for me, point blank. Um, awful to see so many people attacking, whether it was Justin Trudeau, Jody Wilson-Raybould, um, uh, Selena got into the mix and then Jane Philpont got into the mix and then I found out that Selena was stepping down and not rerunning and I wanted to cry because this woman was such a great advocate for anti-racism at the federal level <sighs> and you know you have to understand how ruthless politics has always been colonial Canadian politics 
you have people that are so diehard in their camps of being liberal, being blue, being orange, whatever, that if there is a single moment that they don't see 100% loyalty from you, they will attack you. So here was this moment where people could learn a little more about Jody Wilson Rainbow, about Indigenous, and more so about Jody Wilson Rainbow's um, cultural teachings and understanding when it comes to the big house. That was a, a big deal in the media recently is the big house teachings. And I I was really saddened to not see more people understand like this is bigger a bigger indigenous governance perspective people didn't get there instead they they chose to be nitpicky and go back to the Christian Martin days where people were fighting each other and being awful to each other and you know unfortunately we're seeing that at the provincial level right now with the UCP and their uh, ridiculousness when it comes to their leadership uh, campaigns so we have you know colonial politics just being cutthroat where people are all about who gets in power and it's not necessarily a kind you know process it's cutthroat where people you make enemies for life and it's awful because you know you're supposed to be on the same team you're supposed to hold the same values and clearly that's not the case and I think in this was complicated so much more because Jody was an indigenous woman you know I even uh, people in my own life mistaken uh, Métis leaders as chiefs and assume because Métis leaders were okay with being against Jody that oh there's just discontentment within the indigenous community and that was really painful for me to watch because um, you know my my own husband identifies as Métis and when I see the struggles in the Métis community I mean I just as you know Satu Dene I'm just like whatever you guys figure it out I don't I don't pretend to care well, not care. I don't pretend to speak on behalf of Métis and especially on their issues of jurisdiction. But then I see it go the other way with no problem whatsoever to the point that, to me, that's violence against an Indigenous woman because they are not in the position of power. They actually have no jurisdiction to be speaking about it. And once again, they don't understand the Indian Act. They don't understand uh, what it's like being oppressed under the Indian Act. They have a different level of oppression you know, being promised land and then being forced onto road allowances or like in Fort McMurray, they just bulldoze their houses over. Uh, Batash, I don't know if you know about Batash, but uh, Métis went into the church for uh, safety and they still have the bullet holes that the Canadian Army shot up the Métis in the church with. So imagine, um, imagine that. You know, I'm not trying to say Métis don't have their trauma, but at the same time, the Battle of Batash has its own park. <laughs> you can go to it and see the bullet holes in the church today. Whereas we just had massacre after massacre after massacre here, and our deaths never properly recognized. I mean, little, little kids are still all around our Indian residential schools because they're still not properly accounted for and properly marked. Um, you know, it, it, it sucks. And then you see an Indigenous woman who actually understands uh, the law stand up and you see Indigenous people actually attack her. It was a real shame, real sadness. Um, another point of this was watching people actually debate whether or not Jody should have continued on as the 
as the Indigenous Affairs Minister, which I found ridiculous, and I completely support Jody for not wanting to take that position. Um, you know, <sighs> to expect to be the Indian agent over all Indigenous people, what a game changer that would be. Yeah, I'm sure you could make some severe changes, but could you? I mean, she can't open up the Constitution and take out the Indian Act. That's not possible. So I just found it really disappointing to see so many Indigenous people attack her. So let's talk about the non-Indigenous attacking her. Literally people who have zero concept of Indigenous issues. Zero idea of what the Indian Act is. Actually have the audacity to say, oh, well, she should have done this and she should have done that. It was awful watching that. Um, Warren Kinsella was actually very clearly on side with her, as was his wife, Lisa. And um, so that was really interesting to watch. On Twitter, there was uh, <laughs> there's this woman named Patty, apparently. And she had me blocked from a long time ago, so I didn't really care. But she uh, apparently was asked by Warren Kinsella, like, oh, where's her actual address? You know, asking for a lawyer friend or something like that. And... Canadian Twitter just lost it and just made Warren Kinsella this like enemy of the state for trying to dox her and apparently she closed her account and all of the rest of it and I just thought really you know you used your power how many times to tell people to block me because you were unwilling to learn about indigenous issues and shockingly Warren Kinsella is on side with uh, Jody Wilson Rainbow and you know, she's just attacks. Like, I got attacked by so many liberals, people claiming to be liberals, people claiming to be progressive, but not understanding Indigenous issues for supporting jo Jody for what she was saying. I literally thought she was helping Canadian democracy improve in this moment. And, um, you know, back to the party loyalists, they say no. And not only do they say no, but they vehemently say no. And they attack and attack and attack. And it, it was really a sad reflection of Canada where they are on reconciliation. But, you know, here we are. I thought she single-handedly, you know, tried to implement the United Nations Declaration of Rights of Indigenous People by saying no to SNC-Lavalin. Because ultimately, I, I don't know why it is Canadians don't connect these dots, but we, as the Indigenous community, have said repeatedly that man camps and construction camps, whether locally or foreign, um, you know, rape and kill indigenous women. That's point blank. That's truth. And, and it's everywhere. You see it locally. You see it nationally. You see it internationally. And here she had the audacity to say no, and nobody was willing to listen to that. And it was awful. And then when Selena uh, stepped down, apparently it sounded like, you know, Justin Trudeau got mad at her, not more, like more than one time. So I felt really bad for her because here we have this amazingly outspoken black woman and just totally targeted. So it was really kind of a gross moment for me as a, you know, indigenous liberal because here I thought Canada could learn and we'd have a new different way of looking at politics with reconciliation. But nope, no, it was just cutthroat. And then, oh, I just it found it revolting to have these stupid conservatives who could care less if we live or die, who made so many cuts to every single service that we had, you know, and, and 
women violence prevention programs like these disgusting human beings who are all like we do not care about natives and you see it now at at the political level with ontario with uh Doug Ford cutting indigenous education like these people do not care about indigenous people. They prefer us dead and assimilated and a discussion. And yet they actually have the audacity to be like, oh, we should let Jody speak. Like we weren't even on your freaking radar before the election. Now you're suddenly, you know, wanting her to speak. You don't even know whether to use the term aboriginal. So whatever. You guys don't even know what you're talking about. Fine. And then... Who comes out of the woodwork but Sheila Cops? Ding, ding, ding. Oh, what a train wreck that was to watch. You know, I tried to even kind of call her out, but she, of course, did not at all respond or anything. She doesn't care. She just has her opinion and she's used to shooting from the hip and there she goes. Well, once again, highlighting, you know, the barriers of why Indigenous could not progress more. She doesn't know what words to use. She, you know, assumes having a Métis friend is enough. Like it was awful, that train wreck happening. So needless to say, I found this whole thing incredibly traumatizing. I didn't even have the words for it. It was probably some of the worst two weeks to see people say these things because it's just cuts, cuts to to the heart every time I read something like that. But I don't really think anybody cares. So what do you do? Seriously, even our allies just weren't stepping up at all. So it was disappointing. I don't know. Typical, I should, I guess is the word I should use. And even the uh, Orange Party, I mean, they don't have a clue what's going on. Um, I would say Charlie Angus is probably the best, you know, well-versed on Indigenous issues. Of course, other than Romeo Saganash, who's not rerunning. But, like, their new leader is Jagmeet Singh. And as a brown Sikh, of course, he probably understands some racism, but I, you know, I've met him and his people and they just don't get indigenous issues at all. And their idea of learning is, I don't know what me spoon feeding them daily. I don't know how that works, but you know, I don't know how many times I got to tell people I have a free podcast. There's other free podcasts. You don't even have to listen to mine. You can listen to other people's and, uh, yeah, most people don't show up to the book club, you know, same old, same old. So I don't know what it's going to take to close that gap to, you know, spoon feed people to learn about Indigenous issues, but we're still here. So that happened. Now, I'm just going to move on to um, something really awful that has happened. Um, Christchurch, New Zealand mosque shooting. Um, So that happened. And it was really hard when I read it was happening phoned up my friend Simon right away. I'm like, I'm really, I don't know how to tell you this. She's like, I already know about that. I already prayed. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's good. Did you know he filmed it and it's all over the internet? And she's like, what? So that happened. And right away she, you know, with the city organized a vigil. I'm so proud of her. She was on the CBC, talked about it. I shared all of that stuff. And uh, she gave very clear, you know, steps on how to be a good, ally to the Muslim community and then I look on Twitter my god and then this you know dumb conservative valley girl I don't know how to be a good ally to our Muslim community and I just thought how hard is it Google how to be an ally to a Muslim and you know what you might be shocked to find out 
It's like everything I talk about here on the show, you know, so calling out Islamophobia, calling out, um, you know, all sorts of different isms, sexism, racism, you know, ableism, all of those things. Funny how they're all interconnected. It's like anti-racism training should be a thing, but whatever. And then there's the other thing. Here she is taking space. How hard is it to Google who's the Muslims I know in the city? Hey, look, Saima's on the CBC. Maybe I should retweet her words. I don't know what it's going to take for people to understand what being an ally is, but whatever. We're still here. Uh, one of the things that happened that really upset me was there was uh, a fellow that he's with a political party. It's like this white nationalist party. And he's all about walking in Costco and the Genesis Center in my area and saying, look at these third world people. Like, because people are not white, we're somehow third world. I mean, anyone who walks into the Genesis or the Costco in our area knows that there's food everywhere. It's clean. Like, I don't know what he was trying to say. But ultimately, these are two hate videos that are completely out there for the whole world to see. And, um, you know, yellow vesters are eating this up. And then, worst of all, a mosque that's like less than 10 minutes away from my home. Uh, some white guy walked in there. The people there asked him, what are you doing here? And they had to call the cops. The guy ran away and they had to call the cops. So we don't know what his purpose and point of being there was. And unfortunately, we're in, in that moment of copycats, of idiots that will think, oh, I'm totally going to do this. I do not know what it's going to take for people to see white supremacy as problematic. And then worst of all, how like just normal media perpetuates Islamophobia. There's been some great Twitter feeds that have called it out. I've reshared it. So I hope people are serious. If you want to be a good ally, now's the time to step up and uh, take some action. So, oh, with the election, a lot of people ask me how they can help. And I will say this. You can contact me. You can volunteer with me. Go out to my coffee events. Tell me to go door knocking at a a person who you, you know, might be in my writing and uh, donate money. You want to help? That's the way you do it. You want to share my information to people that live in the area? That would be great. Um, that's how you help. And if that's, if you can do that, that's great. Um, you can take, I don't know, I can take a dollar all the way up to uh, $4,000 per person. So if you're already like regularly donating to a different party, well, that's part of your $4,000 limit. So whatever that is minus whatever, then you can give that to me. So uh, don't go through the podcast, though. Go through my uh, my actual Calgary East Alberta Liberal Party account because uh, I have to separate them. That's part of the rules. So, you know, and I'm going to try to follow the rules as best as I can. Uh, I see, <laughs> you know, other parties may not show that example, but I sure would like to. That's for sure. <laughs> and with that, I'll just say Indigenous have been talking about issues, sharing our traumas in reports, commissions, public hearings, just so it can be regularly disregarded. No more. Honor the words. Honor the treaties. Listen to politicians and their policies and platforms. If they don't recognize marginalized in their budget with Gender Equity Plus, if they're cutting violence prevention programs, if they're cutting education, if they're cutting health care, <sighs> Know your vote to that party directly negatively impacts marginalized people. 
demand they implement the Truth and Reconciliation Commission calls to action, the recommendations of the Royal Commission on Aboriginal People, the multiple reports about child welfare reform, violence prevention. Our people are experiencing extreme racism in the educational, health, uh, sports, everything, with multiple reports that say the same things, demand change from election platforms and politicians. And if they don't understand colonialism, racism, privilege, and sexism, they have zero reason running. These should be understood by all parties, all local politicians, community organizations, sports, etc. You know, violence is an everyday reality. Every generation has faced it. That's why I started this podcast to speak freely without interruption, without tone police, without leadership shaming, without gaslighting questions. As many people don't want to hear Indigenous opinion, but sure want to tell me theirs. And usually by people who know nothing about Indigenous, colonialism, the constant surveillance of Indigenous people, our protests, our vigils, and our rights, typical microaggressions, or people dealing with internalized racism, those who are gatekeepers, you know, that survive off the status quo, people that are still so in their trauma, they stop other people from doing good work. Internalized and external racism is something that I deal with every single day, as do other Indigenous people. This is why I needed a podcast to be heard. I hope my family, my daughter, will be proud in the future trying to discuss these present-day issues in a way that they can understand down the road. I want to continue by putting cultural safety into action so that you can create a safer place for Indigenous, people of color, new immigrants, those with disabilities, LGBTQ2+, to speak. Um, Look at it as first aid for marginalization. And there's some great memes out there that I've been sharing, but it's just really important that you do something. Having good intentions is not enough. Take action to make change. Speak out against racism. Ask questions of those with more understanding. Google things. My God, Google. Take responsibility for your learning. Read, reflect. Do not expect this learning to come from marginalized people or indigenous people. Like you're listening to a free podcast. Please share it with other people. Take time for self-reflection. Beware of your own assumptions and biases. Question everything you've learned about Indigenous people and take steps to actively uh, disrupt those stereotypes. Commit to lifelong learning. Be prepared to be uncomfortable. Please Google white tears and white tear violence. Understanding colonialism and the legacy of racism is an ongoing and difficult task. So... You can Google these things. There's memes going around about how you can sit with somebody in the C train, introduce yourself, say hi, say, hey, you know, do you want to go for coffee after? Give them your contact if there's some person, you know, yelling at them. Just do what you need to do to keep you both safe. You know, try not to call the police unless you are asked to. Do not be in silence because it just communicates approval and leaves the victim high and dry. Teach your kids about accountability in a positive way. You know, what do you mean by that is a subtle way to hold people accountable, you know, and teach, teach our girls that they don't have to sit in their discomfort. So with that, I'll say if you're experiencing any emotional distress or want to talk, First Nations and Inuit Hope for Wellness Helpline is one 855 Two four two three three one zero. It is toll free and open twenty four hours a day, seven days a week. Thank you to my ancestors, my granny, my mom of what strength looks like through your example. I want to thank my dad for teaching me to be strong and blunt. 
my stepmom for showing me what a proud culture is through your Austrian family and roots and stepping me stepping up to teach me how to be a strong Calgarian. And it's because of her, I'm a second generation proud Calgarian. I want to say thank you to my husband for producing and editing this show. On top of being my husband, my childhood friend, father of our child, support down my journey of the red road. He has witnessed decades of racism and sexism, including this week when <laughs> I had wonderful private messages of other people's trauma to basically try to negate their lack of responsibility about and learning about indigenous people or, you know, the white tears that were uh, used as violence against me. You know, he sees that every single day. And I sometimes forget. And I thank God for him, you know, reminding me to our child. We are blessed to learn from you every single day. And we are honored you chose us. You give me daily accountability to be a better and stronger person. My Patreon account is Native Calgarian. I want to say thank you to Amanda, Ashley, Beatrice, Diana, Jody, Judy, Kenna, Kimberly, Matt, Nancy, Nathan, Phyllis, Sharon, The Sprawl, Tiffany, and Veronica. Thank you all for signing up. If you value listening and can afford to give, thank you. To those who cannot afford to give but listen in, I'd love to hear from you at nativeyyc at gmail.com where you can send in your comments or questions. We are also on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. And I want to end with my beautiful cousin and mine. When I sigh I all of the Calgary rabbits, you're lucky I'm not tradish, and my beautiful cousin will respond, or you would be in my dish.